Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. This morning, we are uh, kicking off a new series, and we're we've called it, calling it Rooted, and it really is the heart of what the book of Colossians is about. And so a lot of times as a church, we go through, uh, like, and we'll have, like, this last series, at, at Try This at Home, was about, you know, looking at some of the practical stuff that we need to do as Christians that sometimes we can say, no, that's the church's responsibility or that's the preacher's responsibility and that, no, this is all of our responsibility. And we begin to look at that. But this series, we're actually just going to track through chapter by chapter through the book of Colossians. And so, uh, and funny enough, over the next four weeks, um, I'm going to be speaking for two hours on a book you can read in 15 minutes. And no, I'm not speaking on it for two hours this morning, so don't worry. I'm not taking advantage of your well-restedness. Um, we are, uh, we'll be staying on track. But um, you can read the book of Colossians in, in real quickly in about 15 minutes. And as we go through um, one of these books, as we do this periodically as a church, if you're not already on some sort of reading program, if you're not reading through the Bible with the, the program we put out in the first of the year, or you don't have some sort of thing, I would encourage you um, to maybe once a week, maybe every day, just read the book of Colossians over the month of November. And so and just spend some time in the book of Colossians. And so like I said, it takes about 15 minutes uh, to read it in one sitting. Maybe you just read a chapter a day, and then you just start it over, and so you'd read it almost twice in a week. And so, But I just want to encourage you to do that over this time period is we're kind of going to be soaking in this concept uh, that are laid out in Colossians. And um, I'm having a little technical difficulties this morning. And uh, so if you'll give me just a second to make one little adjustment on my device, that maybe I will not have some of these problems anymore. Let's see. I've got a backup bulletin up here in case I have to go old school. So, but here's the here's what we've been uh, what we're going to lead off with is that uh, uh, to build our life on Jesus, our lives should be rooted in Jesus. That ought that ought to make pretty good sense to us. But the thing is, is that when we're living our life every day for, and some of us have been in this for a long time. Sometimes there is this pull. There's this gravitational thing to maybe want to move into the new and the flashy and the exciting um, when really the truth is is that what's exciting is the depth of who Jesus is that we come in and have our initial encounter with the idea uh, that we recognize the frailty of our own humanity we recognize the fact that um, we're not perfect um, when we're honest we're pretty far from it. Each of us are. The best of us are still fell miserably on the, the measure of perfection and, and that we need a Savior. I need a Savior. And we, and we recognize and somebody has shared with us the truth um, of the gospel that, that God sent his son to come in and to, to, to take on the sins of the world, to take on the sins of Brandon Clark, to take on the sins of everybody and to deal with that issue once and for all, forever, for all mankind, and that God was in Christ 
reconciling me, reconciling you to himself. And we believe that and faith rises up in our heart and we say yes to that and go, okay, awesome, that's amazing. But guess what? That is the starting point with Jesus. That's not the ultimate end with Jesus. That's the starting point with Jesus. And what Paul is wanting to get to these believers who lived in the town of Colossae is to remind them, you, we don't move on, Pastor. We, we stay connected with Jesus. We're going to actually look. Our, our core scripture for the next four weeks is actually going to be found in chapter 2. But let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. And it says, so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught overflowing with thankfulness. He is saying we need to stay rooted and built up in what we've already been taught. Sometimes the stuff we want to is we want something new and fresh and exciting. And and Paul is writing to this, this group and says, you know what? You need to stay rooted in what you've already been taught. You need to dig down deeper and go deeper into some of the things that you think maybe you already know. You need to just stay rooted right there because the strength of their growth in their life in Christ was going to be determined by the depths of their roots. That was what was going to be the ultimate thing, and Paul knew that. Paul recognized that and wanted to encourage them to be able to stay connected in that place and try to pull against the gravitational thing because sometimes we can find ourselves wanting to say, okay, I've got enough of that. Let's move on to the next thing. I was uh, started out in youth in ministry as a youth pastor. My, my pastor, uh, Pastor John, uh, had brought me along. My first role was a janitor slash pastor in training. So I got to clean the Christian school and the building, and, and I cleaned, and I sat in his office and hung out with him and traveled with him, and he mentored me for three and a half years, and and, and, and got to spend a, a, a lot of glorious time. And then my first kind of responsibility pastorally was, was with the young people with youth. And, and uh, Cutie and I, just, we, we just loved that, that eight and a half years. We got to have a lot of fun, and we got to do a lot of cool stuff. And, and we were getting ready to have a big night, um, like, like our youth hype night that's coming up. And so uh, we wanted to be able to do something exciting. We wanted to do something amazing. And so I was wanting to teach on this idea that we needed a hero. And so and, and to set up our real need for a hero, then I wanted to have this kind of anti-hero guy. And so one of our youth workers was a guy named Dan Westland, and he was here with us a couple of weeks ago. And uh, they were just in, uh, in visiting. They were actually here for the wedding. And um, Anyway, so they were, they were here with Dan was six foot seven, um, and at that point in his life, about 165 pounds. So he was a thin, tall guy, and um, so I made this really sad, homemade-looking Superman suit um, that I made for him, and so he was going to be the hero, and he was going to come in, and it was all, obviously, it was high water. It was all wrong. It was all messed up. It looked terrible, and it was supposed to. Um, But then I thought, how amazing is this going to be if I can have him fly over these teenagers' heads and come in and be on the stage with me? This would just be amazing. 
So I was like, you know what? We can do this. And so I, we had a little foyer at the, at the back of the, our youth building. And then so I rigged up a, a big cable, a zip line from over the foyer down to the stage. And I was like, all right, Dan, I need you to come in. You're going to zip line over this. And he just was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And so initially we played with the idea of like a, a T-bar, you know, and he was just going to come in and just kind of skate over. And I was like, no, I want you to fly. Man, I want you to just be laid out, and I, I, want you to, I want you to fly. And so we got this harness system, had some pulleys, got to put up, and uh, so I created this thing. And, of course, you know, just we wanted the illusion to just be really good, you know. We didn't want it. So I, I'll go to Lowe's, and I go and look at the, at the cable, and I look at this, this aircraft cable that's there, and I look at it, and it's, going to, and it's going to hold like 90 pounds. And I'm like, okay, well, I've got 90 pounds on the front and 90 pounds on the back. That's 180 pounds. We've got Dan covered with to spare. We're good. We're gold here. So when it was the thinnest little aircraft cable we could handle, I was like, and you know what? If, if they were able to sign off and it holds the 90 pounds, you know it holds a lot more than 90 pounds. You know, because they got to take care of all of the lawsuits and all that stuff. So, you know, it's stronger than that. So we get it rigged up, and I put him up on the foyer, and I was just going to have him all rigged up, and he was going to hide there till it was time to preach. So he was just going to be stuck up behind this curtain on the foyer. And um, to be able to do it, I had to have him standing not just on top of the foyer, but on top of a speaker on the foyer, and then just, like, jump off. And, um, and so we're practicing it, and we're getting this done. Uh, well, Dan, um, rightly so, um, was not quite as confident um, in my engineering um, as I was. And so he comes off of the top of that foyer, and he does it not with great enthusiasm. And he ends up, and everything just kind of goes sadly wrong. And he ends up... Uh, somehow face up instead of face down. The pulleys come together, and he's in a bunch, and then he just goes halfway, and the zip line sags, and he's just stuck. And, and he looks like he's like this, like, sad little snared animal just hanging from, like, the jungle sky or something. He's just there. You have to get a ladder and get up and, and do that. And I'm like, Dan, dude, you did it wrong. You did it wrong. I'm confident. Let me show. Give me that harness. Give me that deal. I'm going to show you how to do this. So I got the system all rigged up, and I got up on top of the foyer, and I got up on top of the speaker, and I was like, Dan, this is what you're going to have to do. And so the, the, the wire we're going to hang from is like this high. So I'm like, you got to jump out and just kind of lay into it, and then just let it go, man. Just, just go. So, man, I did it. I'm, I committed and I jumped out well the thing was at that point I was about 180 pounds but I was like 90 and 180 we're good we got the we got the lawsuit edge on it it's bound to hold like probably 250 and so but uh I had forgot that that was about static static weight it hadn't I didn't apply any of the laws of physics and momentum and all of those different things. And as I jumped out there and I'm sitting there and I'm dropping in to that deal, um, yeah, that, that aircraft cable uh, superseded. Um, it went beyond 
it's load rating. So I go out there and all is good for about a second. And then the cable right about my shoulder blade snaps and I just swing like a pendulum. And praise God, the other one did not snap until all of a sudden I'm now looking up at the ceiling. And it snaps and I just come straight down on my back and Dan is over on the other side of the building and he can't see there's chairs and stuff and he can't see and I just land on the concrete knocks the wind out of me he thinks I'm dead so he's like uh he, he is he's freaked out cutie was gone doing some shopping for the event and as soon as I got some breath I was like don't tell cutie and so I just laid there and peeled myself up off of, off of the ground. And sure enough, she, uh, she knew something was wrong when she walked in. And so I did not pull it off. So I'm good, babe. I'm good. I'm ready to preach. And so I was, <laughs> it hurt. And, uh, but here was my problem. My problem is, is I was trying to get away with being held up by as little as possible. I wanted to be helped by just as little as possible. And the truth is, is that every little bit of where that cable begins to thicken, it begins to strengthen exponentially. As that, begin, as that cable begins to add another thread and another thread, it's not just getting doubly as strong. It's getting exponentially strong. And as I began to whittle it down and try to get away with as little as I could possibly get away with, and push it to its absolute limits, I ended up placing my faith in something that had no way of being able to hold me up. And there's this place where we try to sit there and, and, and we can find ourselves in this life in Christ where we have placed our faith in a God who's going to take care of us for eternity and, and understand and we sit there and then we disconnect from that and don't get deeper down and we wonder why some of the other stuff in our life is not going way we think a loving God would have it to go. And that's because we have not added on to that faith. We've not sat there and gone, you know what? Not only did the God of the universe who was in Christ reconciling me to, us, to himself and setting me in heavenly places and having my eternity secure, that God, when I begin to delve deeper into Jesus. He's a God who's with me and never leaves me and forsakes me. He's a God who heals me and restores my soul. He's a God who gives me a new mind and a new way to think. He's a God who begins to set me on a path of life and righteousness. He's a God who begins to change things as I begin to go deeper and deeper and deeper into what Jesus had done from the very beginning. We don't want to find ourselves trying to say, yeah, do, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. So what does that mean to you? Well, that means heaven is my home someday. Yes. But it, guess what? It means so much more than that. It means so much more than that. Jesus means so much more. Thank God eternity is taken care of. But it means so much more. And so we go deeper into Jesus Paul's letters to, to, letters to Colossians is to encourage them to stay rooted, to stay rooted in Jesus. Colossians 1 verse 3 says, We always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. I'm telling you, they're in a greater compliment a group of believers can get, in my opinion than that their faith is being heard of and that they love the people of God. I tell you what, I would love for Celebration Church to, to, to have that reputation. 
for us to have a reputation as a group of people who, who believe God and trust him and who love people. Uh, this, is who we, this is who we want to be. This is, this is who we want to be. It says the, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. That hope of heaven one day, it's a springboard. It begins to launch us into, into new, into amazing things about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the, in the same way. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Folks, that is what the pivotal point in all of this is truly understanding the grace of God. How beautiful is it that God was in Christ reconciling us to himself? How beautiful is it that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? It's amazing. It's wonderful. But it goes deeper and deeper and deeper as we truly understand the grace of God. 1 John 4 verse 15 says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. We know it and we rely on it. That's why at Celebration Church every week you're going to hear about how much God loves you. You're going to hear about how much God loves you because you know what? Initially... You hear and you grab a hold that God loved you enough and that, and that, yes, he recognized you were a sinner and that he loved you and you see some of the places you need some help and, and you're like, I dare to believe that God loves me. And there's that, there's that initial thread of hope you begin to hang on to and it is firm and it is secure. But as you begin to learn about the next piece of the love of God, there's this, oh, oh it goes deeper. Oh, it's thicker than that. It's stronger than that. It covers more than just that. It goes deeper and deeper, and we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. See, folks, we don't move past Jesus. We move deeper into Jesus. This is a growth into Jesus. It's not, all right, awesome, thank you, Jesus, you did that thing. I trust you with my future. I trust you with eternity. I trust you with the, the fact that, that I, I am forgiven, and now I'm going to go on and I'm going I'm to choose to now live a better life out of this. No, it's about delving deeper into who he is and what he has done in our lives. Verse 13 says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's, going, he's reminding them this is, this is the foundational stuff. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. If you want to understand who God is, it is fully revealed in Jesus. You have any kind of questions, you have any kind of thing, we come back to Jesus. We come back to who he is. Jesus is the definer of the, in the nature. God wanted to fully reveal himself. Everything before Jesus was pointing us to Jesus. 
and gave us, if we try to take Jesus out of it, it leaves us with an incomplete view of the Heavenly Father. That's why that we have the New Testament talking to us about Jesus. Not that the Old Testament is without any value. It points and validates that Jesus is Messiah. And now that we see who Messiah is, Jesus is that full reflection. He's the one who's showing us who the Father is. For in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether uh, thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. That it all comes back to Jesus. We will never move on past Jesus. It's all about him. It's in him we live and move and have our being. Hebrews 12 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And, and then Revelation 21.6 reminds us this, that he said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the start and the finish. He's the author and the finisher. If you've been coming to Celebration Church for any length of time, you know that just about every service when I close in prayer, then I remind us all that we're looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Why? Because there can be this pressure that we feel like we can walk into this space and hear of a message that hopefully is enlightens the scripture, hopefully is encouraging, hopefully helps us understand some things about our heavenly father and then about ourselves and, and hopefully does that, but not put it in a place where we go, okay, now, thank you, Lord, for the encouragement. I'm going to go out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to carry it forward from here. No, it's to be able to rest in him and let him work and move. He's the author and he's the finisher. The risk we run is coming out saying, okay, God, thank you, Lord, for the Sunday morning moment. I'm going to be able to do better this week. I'm going to go out and be able to do better. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for that fresh, for that <clears throat> fresh motivation. Thank you, Lord, for just your, the fresh touch of your love. And that I, I just felt your spirit in the middle of worship. And I, and I just understand your scriptures a little better. And, Lord, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do better. There is this prayer pressure that comes in to do that. And so every Sunday I close in prayer that reminding us that he's the author and the finisher. We're going to look to him, the author and the finisher. He didn't get us picked up, dusted off and say, okay, now do better. My forgiveness gives you another chance and another chance and another chance. These aren't chances. This is our, this is our life in him. It's not that we're sitting there and we've blown this chance and blown that chance. No, it's our life in Christ. He is working. And guess what? We're going to mess up. There's going to be stuff. And that's why God's love and grace covers all the stuff that's ever transpired and ever will transpire. And we lean into him. We grow in him. And, the, and Paul wanted to make sure the believers in Colossae stayed focused on that. 
They don't, because the same pull that pulls at us, that same thing that makes us feel like, okay, God, I, I can, I'm going to do better. No, we lean in him. That's why we spent seven weeks looking at what it means to abide, to just live in him. And then as we abide in him and him in us, then he does the work in us. Then we must stay rooted in the truth that in Jesus we are without blemish and free from accusation. And I'm t- that is one of the things that I wish that I could be there as a pastor and, and, and fight that hand in hand with you. Those lies that begin to come in and tell you that you're less than. Those lies that begin to come in and tell you that because of this poor decision or this thing or this response and, and, and this person in your life hit this trigger that got tied to this childhood wound and this big ugly came rearing up out of your, out of your mouth and out of your life. And, and later that night, you just felt so terrible and you felt such a failure because you were less than some perfect little Christian person. And all of a sudden, then the enemy comes in and says, your, your relationship with God is worthless. Your relationship with God is meaningless. And I'm here to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell, and it is nothing. And I would love to be able to, to be there with you and to coach you and to tell you, but guess what? I can't, but there's one who is, and that is the Holy Spirit. And if you'll learn to discern his voice and know that he is not the accuser, so anytime you're sitting there and you're in your quiet place and you're all of a sudden beating yourself up and you're feeling less than and you think that, that it's God who is tearing you down, that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you say, no, there's a, that's enough of that. And you go, because the accuser, that voice of the accuser has been silenced. And Paul wanted to make sure the, the Colossians knew that. He says, but now he has reconciled you. This language says it's done. It's completed. It's not like you're, it's happened for the moment. No, it's done. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. This is why we do communion. We take that thing, that styrofoamy wafer thing we believe to be edible, um, and we take that thing. And we remember with it as an emblem that we take that and we remember that Christ lived. His body physically walked this earth. That he taught and and he did miracles and he physically died. And his physical body was placed in a borrowed tomb. And that physical body came out of that tomb. And that physical body went and presented itself for 40 days and shared life and spoke to, spoke to people. And that physical body came up out of the earth, ascended in front of an audience of people and encouraged them. It says, you know what? I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. And we take that in that time of communion and remember that physical body. And it should be a place that, you know what? Every time there's this place where I begin to feel less than, I remember what his physical body did for me. This, this happened for me. In Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free 
from accusation. Free from accusation. For some reason, somehow, we have turned communion into a place where we accuse ourselves. When his body is supposed to be a reminder, we're free from accusation. Communion should be one of the most liberating moments of it for us as believers. Where we take that element of his body and we remember that he made me right through his physical body. And I am free from accusation. I am 100% made right with him without blemish in his sight, holy in his sight. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that you've and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word. He's like, stay connected, stay rooted in this. He echoes this same sentiment in his letter to the Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself with a as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. That is what our Jesus did for us. And that is what we are to be rooted in. And that is the basis for all of our growth. If that's not the basis of all of our growth, well, then, then guess what? Then there's this place where we can be, have spiritual pride. We can be proud of this place of what we have each done and accomplished. But that is not the case at all. Revelation 12 says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God <clears throat> day and night has been hurled down. There is an accuser and he's defeated. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not God. So that, and that accuser has been defeated. So the next thing he wants the Colossian believers to understand is that our roots can help others get rooted too. And we're going to close with this. That here in verse 27 it says, And then God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the hope of something amazing? Christ in me. That's it. It's not my talents, my abilities, any of those things. It's not your talents, your abilities, or your efforts. It's Christ in me. That's the hope that brings glory. That's the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Why? Because not, there's a lot of us immature in Christ. And guess what? There's space for that. There's space for it. If you're immature in Christ, don't be embarrassed. There's a process. God's taking you somewhere. He's going to mature you. Stay with it. To this end, I strenuously contend with all of the energy Christ, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And then Luke chapter 4, God's spirit is on me. This is what Jesus says. He's chosen me to proclaim the message of good news to the poor, sent me to announce pardon to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burden and the battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. Folks, our bottom line this morning is the stronger the roots, the greater the fruit. 
if we're not seeing the fruit of Christ in our lives, it's but let's just dig our roots deeper into him. Let's just let him begin to, the reality of who he is begin to just grow in our lives. And as we just stay focused on Jesus, I'm telling you, things will begin to shift and to change. See, living life in Christ starts, grows, and ends with Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.